Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them. Revelation 21, verse 3. Welcome to Canaanbaum Podcast, a podcast designed to offer the Christian rest during life's journey, sharing devotional resources from pastors serving in the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, The Wells, along with church history, music, and other items. My name is Tom Barthel, serving as pastor at Trinity Lutheran in Nina, Wisconsin. Glad to be your host for this episode. This is episode number 117. We'll begin with God's Word for You, shared by Pastor Timothy Smith. God's Word for You, Job 38, verses 16 to 21. Let's start with the first few. Have you journeyed to the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the deepest darkness? Have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. God's questions here revolve around going deep. How deep have you gone? Have you gone to the deepest parts of the sea, deeper? Have you seen the deep itself? This is the word uh, tahom, the word for deep in Genesis 1 verse 2. Have you seen the great depth of darkness? Then the Lord takes us even deeper beyond the present world. Have you seen the, the gates of the dead? the deepest place of all. At this point, the Lord's words begin to to return upward once again. And there's kind of an A-B-A pattern as we go from deep to deepest and now back upward again in the following verses. God returns our thoughts to the present world and touches the place of greatest fear, which is the Talmavit, or deepest darkness, the shadow of death. Um, That's the way it's translated in the 23rd Psalm. Finally, the Lord returns our thoughts to the ordinary world by asking, have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? We know that he's talking to Job when he says, if you know all this in verse 18, then the, the, the you there is singular. It's you, Job. But the Holy Spirit intended for us to witness this conversation, and we can't help but apply God's questions to ourselves. The Lord has the big picture in mind as well as the details. What do we have in mind? We have in mind usually just ourselves. We might have the well-being of somebody else in mind, sometimes a child, a spouse, an aging parent. But God has the best interests of everyone at heart all the time. Verses 19 to 21. What is the way to the abode of light? And where does darkness reside? Can you take them to their places? Do you know the paths to their dwellings? Surely you know, for you were already born. You have lived so many years. It's hard to imagine that God himself would ever resort to sarcasm. But the Hebrew is a little softer than any English translation is able to present. Maybe our language or our culture has become so callous that we can't quite speak certain things without imposing our own sinful nature to them. But throughout this speech, God has been asking questions And sometimes the usual Hebrew interrogative particles are not present. They're not always necessary in a whole string of questions. We could also take verse 21 this way. Do you know, were you born then? Have you lived so many years? Whichever way we take the Lord's questions, Job has to answer no. Light and dark, so simple in the abstract, they're also impossible to comprehend from the perspective of the infinite. I don't know whether or not Job's culture or his contemporary science understood 
um, as much about dawn and dusk as we do. But if Job could find the path to the place where the sun went at night and where the moon went down during the day, he could never uh, have, well, maybe, maybe he could have had power over them. Maybe he could have thought he could have. He could tell them where and when to go, but he couldn't do it. No matter how much we think we know about astronomy, we still can't force the stars and the planets to do what we want them to do. We can destroy them, but we can't force them to do what we want them to do. But God is almighty. God knows everything. Our term omniscient or all-knowing reflects that truth. God is greater than our hearts, the Apostle John said. He knows everything. God's main goal, or rather, yeah, God's main goal in this long speech is to dampen Job's pride without killing Job's spirit or his faith. The Lord has to be hard and firm and yet loving. He knows just what Job needs. God also knows and understands our need for a Savior from sin. He provides exactly the right Savior, his own Son. And Jesus accomplished what was demanded by God perfectly in our place. We are forgiven and alive to God through Jesus. Whatever any one of us might think we know about science or philosophy or theology or astronomy or anything else, there is one thing we must hold above everything else and treasure it forever. Jesus Christ died to take away the guilt of our sins. Through him we have eternal life. In Christ, I'm Pastor Tim Smith. This is God's word for you. Next, we'll share another song off the acoustic Christmas album by Stephen Bautista. Angels we have heard on high Sweetly singing o'er the plain And the mountains in reply Echoing their joyous strain Gloria in excelsis Deo Gloria in excelsis Deo Shepherds, why this jubilee? Joyous strains prolong What the gladsome tidings be Which inspire your heavenly songs Gloria in excelsis
Christ the Lord, the newborn King. Gloria in excelsis Deo. Gloria in excelsis Deo. To Tell the Story is shared by Pastor Luke Italiano. This is based off of selected chapters in the book of Revelation. I know how your story ends. After you suffer scars on your heart from the pain you will endure. After your own failures have robbed you of your confidence. After you know the cold loneliness of life and what it is to lose your most loved ones. When you have known what it is to travel life with tears as your most frequent companion, after all this ceaseless struggle, and unless Jesus returns first, you will die. And then you will open your eyes. Imagine. Imagine a bride in her magnificent white dress walking down the church aisle to the man who waits, yearns to be her husband. And imagine how beautiful that bride is on that day, that no other woman in all of creation can compare to her. Now take that beauty. And take the beauty of every bride who has ever lived or ever will live and combine it into one shining, glorious moment. And know that that moment doesn't compare with what waits for you. In that moment when you open your eyes, you will know the truth that God designed brides and grooms as a picture, just an appetizer of what waits in heaven. You will stand under a bright sky on a green, green lawn. And children will rush into your arms, squealing in delight to be reunited with you. And all eager, all laughter, all joy, they will lead you and say, Come on, come see the mansion built for you. And they will guide you into a city made of every kind of gemstone. And to our ears, that sounds so tacky. But not this. Here shines beauty. And they will bring you to your home. And it will be beyond what you have ever dreamed for yourself. And you'll ask, as we do when we're newly arrived, well, what does this cost? And they will laugh and tell you that it is paid for already. And then... You'll be reunited with those who have gone before you and those who came after you. And tears will spring to your eyes. And just like that, they'll be wiped away in joy. And never again, never again will there be tears. There will never be weeping. There will never be pain. The old order of things. The way the left scars on your heart and tears in your eyes where you had to work so hard. The 
the old order of things has passed away, and everything is new. There is a river in that city, and the river is so clear. You've never seen water like this. It's the water of life. And you see a tree that's growing on both sides of the river. There's fruit on it. And the fruit is pleasing to the eye in a way that you've never known food to be before. And you pluck it from its branches, and you bite into it, and the juice dribbles down your chin. And you laugh. And then you are taken to the throne to meet the king. And you see around the throne such a number of people that you will never be able to count them, like stars in the sky or sand on the seashore. They come from every people. Some look like you, but many do not. And it doesn't matter anymore, because everyone is praising the king. And on the throne, there is the Lion of Judah. There is the Lamb of God. There is Jesus. Hear the song that everyone is singing. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. And with your blood you purchased men for God. And with your blood, O Jesus, you purchased me. And you will join in that chorus with a voice that will never grow tired. And you will never be ashamed of that voice. And you will sing. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And they will lay out the feast, the wedding feast for the Lamb. And this food is amazing. And the wine never runs out. And every day it gets better. You can't imagine it getting better than that first day, and yet somehow it does, and it will. Know this. You are here because you were bought at a price. Not because you made your own way, not because you earned anything, but because Jesus purchased you with his blood, because he chose to wash you, and make you his own. And now he is pleased that you are here with him forever. And this will be said of you. There before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tent over them. 
Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down upon them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb is at the center of the throne. He will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And the story, your story, is true. Next we have 1 Peter, shared by Pastor Mark Falk. 1 Peter 2, verses 1 to 3. Crave pure spiritual milk. Therefore rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babes, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. NIV 1984. Cravings. Every pregnant woman knows about them. Some of us who live in the land of eight-hour winter days know them too. Evolutionists attribute them to a survival adaptation, I would think. But I believe that God's what God says about the six-day creation. So I just know that in the winter, I like chips and crackers and popcorn and sweet rolls even more than in the summer. Not a particularly good thing. The cravings of these verses build on a therefore. We are mortal human beings, fallible and perishable, loved by an eternal God. What God plans for us in the mystery of eternity, we see played out on the tapestry of time and history. God knew we would need a Redeemer to shed blood and pay for sin and purchase us back from slavery to the devil. God knew this in eternity. God carried this out in time. But the word that teaches us this in time and through ink on paper or words from human mouths, stands forever. It was here long before I stepped into a pulpit. It will remain long after the pages of human Bibles find their ways into recycling bins. The Word is eternal. The words of the Bible are reliable and true. They are meant to connect sinners to eternal and saving truth. What should temporal minds in temporal bodies crave? Not that which we often do crave. We are prone to malice, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Our sinful nature has a craving for sin. This is a bad craving, far worse than the carbohydrate binge that attacks me after supper on a winter's night. These cravings are fatal. They end in eternal death. And they are beyond satisfaction. I mean, when really have I had enough Ritz crackers? But Peter and the Holy Spirit skillfully turns our attention to human infants. They know what is good. They want to be at their mother's breast. They start to root around when daddy holds them and daddy knows they need mommy. Pure mother's milk, the perfect food for babies. The pure milk of God's word, perfect food for God's child. This milk nourishes. It turns us from our sinful cravings and satisfies us. It gives to the soul what the soul needs, even if the soul did not know what it was missing. For the milk of the word connects us to God. It connects us to Christ. It nourishes us on eternal and lasting truth. We who bear a perishable body are promised a new and imperishable, glorious body. We who are like grass and flowers that soon wither and die in the heat are given eternal life, promised a new home, an eternal place with God. 
but only through Christ, only because the eternal word endured time and took on perishable flesh and died in our place. When Christians who have been away from pure milk for a while are brought back, they realize what they have been missing. This, Christ our Savior, this satisfies. And this is what we have by faith. We have tasted that the Lord is good. Do not let anything draw you away from the pure milk of the word, for this is life. We'll close today with a song by Koine, O Little Town of Bethlehem.
begin So God imparts to human hearts The blessings of His hand No ear may hear His coming But in this world of sin Where meek souls will receive Him still The dear Christ enters in have been listening to Canaanbaum Podcast. This episode was first shared in December of 2016. For more information, visit CanaanBoundPodcast.com. We encourage you to visit a Wells Ministry location nearest you. Visit wells.net. Thanks for joining us, and remember His promised rest. Mm-hmm.